The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans, and welcome to the Bird Calls podcast, where your New Orleans Pelicans did exactly what Alvin Gentry said they were supposed to do. Game three in New Orleans, red shirts on, white towels waving. The Pelicans won behind astonishing performances from their big four, coupled with standout showings from Ian Clark, Etwan Moore, even three first-quarter triples from Solomon Hill. First of all, we're joined by Kevin Berrios. You can you can follow him at Kevin B for Bounce. And my very first question to you, Kevin, I purchased two tickets to game six with my dad are we going to that game or not oh yeah when uh where you sit i'm scott trout ceo of the domestic litigation firm cordell and cordell we help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce such as child custody and property division among many others but life changes also occur after divorce these changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow if you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary talk to us at cordell and cordell we're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Oh, I'm sitting up in the nosebleeds. Actually, it's all that. There was only about 50 tickets left whenever I bought them about three or four days ago, and I'm a little bit hesitant to jump into the SeatGeek pool after a, a run and I had with them two months ago <laughs> when I took my wife to see uh, Waitress, the musical. She'd been wanting to see it forever, and we got there, and it was date night, and she was all dressed up, and we got turned away at the door, and that's the last time I'm going to use SeatGeek. But we did get our tickets. We will be in the building if they can win, either game Game four or game five Tuesday in Oakland. And are you predicting that I'm going to that game, Kevin? Yeah, you're going, man. Come on. That's awesome. We, the Pelicans. We would be up 2 1 right now if the game was called evenly in game two. I and mean, that's enough. Yeah, that's something else we're going to get into. Even in this game, uh, I, I have the numbers somewhere down at the bottom, but they still enjoyed an advantage of something like 26 to 12 in terms of free throw disparity tonight. So even though the, the the game was a little bit closer to even in that regard, the Pelicans just can't seem to find their way to the charity stripe in, in this round. But but let's talk about the Warriors, uh, Kevin. They've beaten us 26 out of the past 28 times. The last time the Pelicans beat them at home was 2015, and the time before that was 2010. So we have one home victory against them in the past eight years and we came out and we just demolished it do you think this was a combination of a standout showing by the pelicans and a disappointing showing from the warriors or do you just give a hundred percent of the credit to the pelicans for coming out here and just taking care of business before i dive in 
Can you hear me uh, using my foot massage machine while we do this? <laughs> uh, you can use whatever you want, man. Calm yourself down, relax. I know we were all nervous, filled with anxiety heading into that game. And now it's time to just unwind, my friend. All right, yeah. If you work in the service industry, get one of these things, a shiatsu foot massage machine. Perfect. <laughs> all right, sorry for the quick commercial. Yes, I believe it was just Pelicans being the Pelicans. I and mean, look, we've seen this team play uh, this way for a while now, and like I said uh, previously, um, if the game if game two was called fairly, um, you know, then we would be up two one right now. So, you know, I think uh, I, I I think this team can can fight this team. Easy, you know, if it was in a, a fair setting, if you could turn the files off or or have them say even, uh, that's the only thing you really got to worry about. I mean, the the Durant's hitting shots, but he's He's heavily contested every time. Uh, they're playing defense well. You know, no, they're not giving up easy buckets, um, and we're making we're making shots. And you know, one day they'll address the rule where if you're going up for an alley oop and you get fouled, you get to the free throw line. But until they do that, you know, we're gonna have to live with AD getting fouled a lot and not getting to the line. But um, you know, hey, they 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 don't have an answer for Anthony Davis and. Drew Holiday's playing out of control when the role players step up, when you got Ian Clark scoring what he had, like 19 points, 18 points. Uh, Darius had, I think, 11. Uh, Etwan had 11. And then, like you said, Solomon Hill hit. When, when Solomon Hill hit, hit his second three, I, was, I turned to Travis and I was like, this is the game, ball game. We got this. You know, If that's happening, if those shots are falling, it's done. Yeah, you brought up Anthony Davis. He only had about three points, and it was a three-point shot in the first quarter. The second uh, quarter, he didn't hit his second bucket until about midway through. Of course, he exploded for 14 points in the third quarter, and he did it on both sides. I remember specifically one time where Draymond Green got into the paint, and it was just uh, him and Kevin Looney and Anthony Davis had to commit to Draymond Green, come off Kevin Looney, and he passed it back to Kavon. And Anthony Davis had the foot speed and the length to get all the way back to Kavon, challenge him, and he missed it. So just an incredible game on both ends from him. Another possession in the third quarter where he was at the three-point line. He feigned the three-point shot, and then he took Looney off the dribble, dribbled behind his back, and Looney had to wrap him up because he had a surefire dunk. Just an incredible performance, but he did start slow, and that's what I want to talk about with you, Kevin. The Pelicans dominated in this game and won by a substantial margin starting in that third quarter, that 28-9 to run, but I'm going to argue it could have been even bigger, Kevin. The way the Warriors came out, they were flat from the get-go. The Pelicans had four uh, miscues in the first three minutes. I think they only had four points in like the first four minutes overall. There were there were miscommunication errors in transition from Nico and Etwan Moore, uh, from Rondo and Miritich, just just passes that guys just didn't turn around for. There was there was a couple of loose balls follow, following rebounds that guys just like didn't pick up, and and just some miscommunication and stuff. The Pelicans could have been leading in the first first quarter by double digits easily at that point and they still ended up dominating this game you you can point to a variety of factors that the pelicans took advantage of one being javel mcgee him playing big minutes in this one so let's let's start there what was your impression of steve kerr's decision to go away from going small which is where they dominated the or or played played the pelicans game better than the pelicans did let's just say that Instead, they go away from that and they insert JaVale McGee and the Pelicans take advantage both in the first quarter and the third quarter. Well, that's that's kind of interesting. And like I would like to say, you know, like you were saying earlier, early on, I'm not going to say I was super confident watching this. Like I felt like we were we were going to win. I really felt we were going to win this game. But the way we started, it was like, oh, man, we're, we're like letting them off the hook because they're coming out missing shots and we're just 
having brain dead turnovers and not getting rebounds and missing easy shots. But obviously that turned around. And then when you're up and Anthony Davis, you know, going into half and Anthony Davis only has like three points, um, you know, he was going to unlock in the second half. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that, I mean, obviously the first two games, it, you know, they were dealing with a Steph Curry injury where, so they had to change their lineups a little bit, but it's interesting that three games, three different lineups, it feels like they're the ones that are worrying about adjusting to us instead of us adjusting to them. That's, that's an interesting thing considering they're the number one seed, you know, in a multi-time championship with two MV, champions with two MVPs. So I, I think that shows you uh, while we didn't get a lot of respect, you know, throughout the season from, uh, you know, national media or, you know, other fan bases or whatever, um, or even TV networks are officiating, however you want to look at it, that I think Steve Kerr understands that we're a very dangerous team and he has to tinker with everything. I think he saw that game too and probably realized that they should have lost that game. And so he tried to make some sort of change to prevent Anthony Davis from getting off and he thought maybe going bigger would help, but obviously it didn't. It helped us because, you know, anytime JaVale McGee's on the court, it's kind of a bonus for us. Yeah, that's something that hasn't served any team, uh, the Portland Trailblazers included, with Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins. Anthony Davis is just gobbling these guys up. And it's it's what's interesting to me, Kevin, is that the Pelicans, specifically in Game 1, lost the rebounding battle by 19 when the Warriors played small ball. But then they insert JaVale McGee into the lineup, and the Pelicans dominate the board. They get 10 rebounds. Nikola Meritich uh, enjoys his best game with both Kevin Durant and Draymond Green on the floor in addition to JaVale McGee. He had 16 and 13, and he shot well, 6 of 12 three or five pretty much every open look he had he trained are you surprised at just how well the pelicans rebounded with this larger lineup the warriors inserted well i mean you also have to look at the fact that the warriors missed a lot more shots in this game than they missed in game one so there's a lot more rebounds to get um but yeah i mean it is it is shocking that they were able to rebound a, a bit more but maybe it's also because you know you have like as far as aggravating a player as draymond is when you're on the other side of the fan base uh, you know, he's very active and when he's in the, when he's in the paint, he's got a better chance of getting a rebound than, than JaVale McGee will have mental lapses and lose track of the ball. Um, so that also works in your favor a little bit, but I think a lot of that just comes down to the fact that the Warriors miss more shots in this game than in game one. Yeah, definitely. Kevin Durant, 8 of 18. Steph Curry was the big one, 6 of 19. That's kind of the performance we were expecting in Game 2, but in Game 2, he shot 5 of 10 from three-point range and just 30% from the field in Game 2. Clay exploded in the second quarter with 20 points, and that was terrifying at the time because I'm, I'm sure many of you were privy to, I can't remember how much he scored in, in one quarter, but he had 60 points in one game, and much of it came in the first quarter. I don't know if you remember specifically where it was, Kevin. Something like 30 points. Draymond Green was very quiet at 3 of 8, and, and the Pelicans were able to distance themselves by just six points in the first half but they did it by shooting nine of 14 from three-point range ended up making 14 of 31 on the night that's more three-point shots than they made in game one or game two and the Warriors in the first half just shot 25 percent from the field and Steve Kerr did like you said he gave a lot of credit to the Pelicans in the post-game press conference just saying that it was it was the Pelicans defense that did a lot of it and we just touched upon JaVale McGee perhaps creating a lot of space, but you you still had other guys stepping up. Like Ian Clark, you mentioned he had 19 or 18 points, which is funny because he did have 19 points for a moment before the scoreboard took off a point and gave him 18. I guess he had his foot on the line at some point. But what did you think about his performance? 
I guess he did that one for Jameer Nelson. I mean, he was great. Uh, you know, every time he, he found the corner, he would sneak out to the corner in transition. They would find him. You just felt it was going in. Um, you know, he just had that energy in the building. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was incredible. He was hitting all kinds of shots. His defense wasn't bad. Um, I mean, there's not really a player you can – you can gripe about in this game that all the, everybody stepped up and played pretty well. Uh, I mean, if you want to get picky, you could complain about some of the, the cigar, uh, victory cigar lineups, but who cares? You know, by then the game was uh, completely out of hand. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ian Clark was, I mean, that's the thing. If we get, you know, you're going to get production from our big three. And then like Rondo was great. He had 20 assists. He, he ran that offense extremely well. Um, he was fine defensively. And that's the thing, you know, the Golden State can hit shots. And the thing is, you never saw them have, like, there wasn't that many easy shots for them. Every shot was challenged. Every shot had some, a hand in their face. You know they can hit those. But, you know, as long as you're putting in that effort and you're making them work for it, that's all you can really ask for. And, and I think we're allowed to, we were allowed to be a little bit more physical in this game than we have been in the last two. You know, we were able to... Uh, body him up a little bit although there was some ridiculous calls where nobody touched anybody uh a few times i think that especially there was like like drew got called for one for sure and then there was one where like i think ad and nico both blocked uh i can't remember who they blocked the shot on i think it might have been draymond but nobody touched there was i mean they showed the replay a, a few times in the arena on that big screen and like there was no contact it was all ball so you're still going to have those kind of calls, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I, I, I like if they're going to let people get physical, let it get physical on both ends. You just call it the same way, both sides, and that's all we really want. Yeah, I think that was Andre Iguodala, if memory serves me correctly, but I can't remember specifically. But I do remember specifically the call on Drew Holiday when he was matched up on Kevin Durant. Played him well all night, got in his face, had a clean rejection, and was whistled for the foul. And I remember him just throwing up his hands in disgust. I was worried about Drew getting a technical in the first quarter when he got his first foul of the night. And he threw his hands up and he started talking and he started walking uh, back towards his bench. And I, and sometimes, in some instances, officials uh, get rubbed the wrong way by that kind of reaction, running away from a call and and they can they can blow an early whistle and then things can kind of get out of hand very quickly but that didn't happen in this one you mentioned shooting the pelicans were 48 of 96 perfect 50 percent golden state was just 35 of 92 and like you said that's where a lot of those rebounds came that's 13 extra shots that the pelicans had an opportunity to rebound uh fast break points the pelicans didn't win but points in the paint they dominated yet again 54 to 36 and we got to talk about some of the personal uh personal performances from guys like Rajon rondo who set a, a career playoff record not just for himself but also for the pelicans and also against the golden state warriors i think he had 21 or 22 assists there at the end uh he didn't shoot particularly well just two of 11 but he had something like eight blocks just a, a stunning all-around performance drew holiday of course had two steals and two blocks and i'm gonna pull up his numbers in a minute here they are he was eight of 14 three of seven from three-point range which was critical every time the golden state warriors tried mounting some kind of comeback some kind of run he was there to just step in front of the line take that three-point shot he was 21 seven rebounds five assists to go along with his two steals and his two blocks and rajon rondo actually had 10 rebounds 
So Etwan Moore, 13 points. He was able to get into the paint. Anthony Davis was let's let's talk about that a little bit, Kevin. In the third quarter, Anthony Davis has had real struggles getting into the paint against this team. And in the third quarter, he seemingly did it at will. There were some nice give and goes between him and Rajon Rondo, where a second defender would come towards him and he would split the defender with the pass, finding Rajon Rondo open underneath the basket. And the two of those combined to do that back and forth pretty much throughout that that third quarter finding creases where they never seemed to exist before what worked tonight that didn't work in game one and game two. Well, I think they learned their lesson that they can't be too cute with passes because of the length that golden state has. And, and they, you know, they did a good job uh, setting screens, getting open and not forcing, forcing passes through, not trying to be too cute, not trying to make, uh, I mean, there's a, I mean, sometimes when they go for the alley-oop, it's like, man, just take the easy, play because it's a little bit too spectacular but tonight um even though there were a couple of times where it was like that you didn't mind so much because everything else was clicking um you weren't like battling uphill um and i think that's where they get into trouble sometimes just trying to get too cute um and early on you saw like you know those turnovers that we talked about already where i think i think they were just too jacked up and you know and too ready to look for the next thing and not worried about what was developing, you know, one guy was looking ahead, one guy tried to make the pass while the other guy was looking somewhere else and he didn't see the ball. Those kind of things happened early, but they settled down um, and then they played smart, you know, and that that's the biggest thing is just not forcing bad passes when you're playing a team like that, that can get out in transition and that have so many shooters that can hit in transition or, you know, get to the rim. All right, in post-game right now, uh, we got some stuff from Kush. Uh, Nico Meritich smiling ear-to-ear. Anthony Davis uh, having a quiet moment with Rajon Rondo and his son. So the Pelicans, here they sit. They decidedly won Game 3. They head back to New Orleans for Game 4 at 2.30 Central Time. Now the momentum has has seemingly swung. And and we have to anticipate a, a change in uh, personnel from Steve Kerr. I highly doubt he's going to throw JaVale McGee out there again, which is going to result in a positive net for for the Warriors, I'd imagine I'm going to find his uh, his numbers right now. It was only negative ten, and uh, that's that's interesting because Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Clay Thompson all had a negative twenty four or worse net rating. So he actually had the most positive net rating of all five of those guys on the floor. Of course, uh, those numbers can all be deceiving based on who's on the court with them at all times. Uh, he only played nine minutes, so he he wasn't even there long enough to really create the the. 19 point divide that the Pelicans ended up winning. But but here's what I'm going with this, Kevin. The momentum has swung. It's in the Pelicans' favor. They have shown that they can decidedly defeat this team at home. We go back for game four. Do the Pelicans do it again on Sunday? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. I think they know I think both teams know that game two was really the Pelicans game. And uh they're over to able to overcome that this game and really stomp them out and i do worry a little bit we always seem to start pretty slow on early games so 230 tip off is a bit troubling for me um but then again you're talking about that's that's a 1230 start on golden state's body clock so hopefully that plays a difference for them as well they come out a little bit sluggish and we jump on them early and then momentum and and just sheer will carries us through that but i i i feel like you know, we match up well with anybody right now and playing with the sort of emotions and and confidence that we have, it's hard to beat. And I will say this too. Um, we were we were two and oh 
whenever I got a free shirt and it was a medium. And I didn't have a medium on my seat tonight, but I need to give a shout out to Ariel Isn't Real. It's at Ariel Myers because she found me on Twitter and said, yo, I'm in Section 309. I got a medium. Let's trade. We're going to make this happen. So I went and met, her, met up with her before the game. She gave me her medium. I gave her my extra large 3-0. and So if you, got a medium, if you got a medium shirt on Sunday and I don't, you got to get it to me. That's a really nice story, Kevin. And and let's continue with that because I really think that New Orleans has stepped up to the plate in terms of the Smoothie King Center and what the what the the team has done to really create this playoff environment, get New Orleans behind this team in a way that we haven't seen, uh, dating back to the 2015 playoff run with a, a much younger Anthony Davis. It's hard to believe he's still 25 years old, and at the time he was simply 22. He was a child. But but talk about the the shirts, the towels. The towels were fantastic to see on television. Of course, I was watching this one from home. I wasn't privy to go to the game. But watching these guys wave the towel with every run, with every each one more three, you see everybody standing up and you see those towels swirling and you can feel the emotion coming right off the screen. Of course, you've got Trombone Shorty playing at halftime. What kind of environment is it like in the Smoothie King Center right now? Oh, it was incredible. Um, like when Chris Paul, you know, the Chris Paul era, I was the, I was here for uh, when we played the Lakers uh, in that series. What was that? 2000, was that 2010? 2010 when we went to the playoffs with uh, Chris Paul, David West, and well, 2010 West was the uh, uh, Los Angeles Lakers, that six game series. Yeah, we so I, I went yeah. to those games. The, this, the time before that, when we got to the, uh, when we advanced to the second round and we're uh, playing the Spurs, I was living in Singapore at the time, so I wasn't at any of those games. Um, so I don't know what it was like then, but this was like the, the craziest I've seen it. And, uh, and, you know, we've had a few big games since then, uh, you know, over the stretch run, and it's been great. And, look, the Pelicans, we've complained about Pelicans PR, Pelicans um, marketing for a while now, <clears throat> and they're finally starting to give us what we want, you know. We have been begging for a local rap. They're still not playing it too much in the arena, but, look, we had Manny Fresh and Juvenile perform. Then we had, you know, Trombone Shorty, which he's played before. Um, at half times and stuff, but you know he's a local artist that you know the the local community actually embraces and enjoys. So it's nice to have him. And then next game we're gonna have DJ Jubilee, which is something I've been begging for forever. I just like I don't understand how there's not a DJ Jubilee dance party at every Pelicans game. That should be the dance cam should just be him live doing a, a DJ Jubilee dance party. But you know baby steps. But look, they're giving us what we want. And uh, it's refreshing, it's rewarding, and the city is embracing it. And, uh, you know, it's great. Um, you, like, you know, normally, I, I, felt, I feel like if this was, like, two years ago or whatever, I would have seen a lot more Golden State jerseys in that arena tonight. And there wasn't that many um, tonight, so that was great. Yeah, the story continues. I remember I was at game three of the Lakers Chris Paul era in 2010. We ended up losing that game, but we came back and won game four. We won game one in Los Angeles, if memory serves me. And then we won game four. We ended up pushing it to six, but game six will hopefully be my second time at a Pelicans uh, home game. So very excited just to go back to the free throw disparity, 26 to 12 on the night. 
The Warriors lead that 85 to 32. You have to imagine the Pelicans are not going to shoot this well again on Sunday. So the game will be a lot tighter. How critical are those free throws going to be, Kevin? And and both of these teams average just over 20 free throw shots per game. And now three games in and the Warriors have nearly tripled the Pelicans free throw tallies. What gives, Kevin? I mean, it's crazy, but one of the things like, you know, there's questionable officiating and superstar calls for sure that's happening. But one of the things we also have to realize is that when Anthony Davis goes up for a, for an alley-oop, which is where he mostly gets fouled, or at least when they call him, he doesn't get free throws for that because they don't call count that as a shot. And that's something that's kind of crazy to me. I mean, it's clearly a shot and he has the ball in his hands and he's going to make a move. Uh, to you know to dunk or tip it in or whatever and then you know so until so it's like a really smart file by golden state to file him when he's when he's up in the air like that but it's also obviously a dangerous fault uh file to have happen because you're talking about a guy up high in the air getting pushed in the back or grabbed and sort of tackled you know we saw that hard file with uh draymond uh that didn't even get called for a file in game one i think it was um but uh, you know, th- that's the, that's the thing. A lot of times when Anthony Davis gets filed, it's not, it's filed. It's not beneficial other than getting the, you know, the team file because he's, he, you don't get shots out of it. They, they file him as he's, uh, you know, making a move, but not, not uh, what they consider a shot. So that's where some of that disparity comes from. But, you know, obviously there's been a lot of questionable files in this uh, series and, you know, game one, look, it was bad, but game one, we we self-sabotaged ourselves a lot. So I'm not, I'm not going to put that one on the officiating. Game two, that was clearly an officiating nightmare. Um, and you're talking about a game that was four points. Uh, we should have won that game if it was called fairly. Um, and then tonight, it wasn't called fairly. Again, uh, there was a few. It wasn't as nearly as egregious as game one or, or game two even, but uh, it was called a lot closer. But still, you could see them getting the beneficial whistles, but we just overcame it. Um, we had a, a great night, and hopefully we continue to do that. At least it looks like they're not letting it get into their head and not being defeated by it, which is what you have to do because you know you have to deal with it. Um, and all that's going to do is take you out of your game, and that plays to Golden State's advantage. So if they have the mental toughness to not let it get to them and to make sure they get down the court and not complain, get back on defense, those kind of things, um, or, or commit a dumb foul on the other side or, or force, try to force something that causes a turnover because they were fouled the previous time. You know, that, that's the key to game four. And I also understand the counter argument that the Pelicans aren't drawing uh, contact during shooting fouls, as you mentioned. Uh, with that being said, Anthony Davis averages eight foul shots per game. Drew Holiday averages four. The team as a whole averages over 20. It's, it's just too, uh, too stark a contrast to, to look away from. And uh, just to reference uh, the counter argument, I do remember two specific instances where Nikola Meritich and Rajon Rondo were at the three-point line, and they had defenders leave their feet, falling into them, and rather than absorb the contact and just throw the ball up in the air, in both instances, Nikola Meritich and Rajon Rondo dribbled around the defender to get a closer shot and then, you know, get an easy assist for a two-point shot. But that's that's an opportunity. You know, if you do want to get to the charity stripe, you have to take the contact in those instances rather than try to make the play. and. 
when the Warriors shots aren't going down, that's that's a skill that they can utilize where the Pelicans pre- prefer to make the right play in some of those instances. But that that's a small sample size as well. But I, I do understand both arguments. But through three games now, the uh, like I said, it's it's too stark a contrast. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up, Kevin. Uh, we thank you for our questions from Kempleton Pack. Uh, he had some good stuff. Thank you for everybody who who tunes into the podcast as a whole. We've got a, a question from Riker Toledano, and I wanted to bring this up earlier. Um, the the exquisite play of Rajon Rondo, uh, the the hesitation dribble that got that easy basket for Anthony Davis early in the fourth quarter. But but the question that everybody wants to to ask is is about Draymond Green and Rajon Rondo. And we we saw some video clips of Rajon Rondo uh, stepping on his foot when they were going into timeout, and of course you know, wiping a sweaty head on the ball when Andre Iguodala uh, was taking free throws, or maybe it was Draymond Green, but he is very clearly and obviously trying to get into Draymond Green's head. And uh, he had a technical in this game as well. What is your response to that? Do you think it's working? And do you think this storyline uh, continues into game four? I mean, uh, it's definitely going to continue. There's no way Rondo's changing his ways overnight. You know what I mean? And plus, I do think it is working a little bit. You see him getting frustrated. You see him acting out and pouting and not getting back on defense a little bit here and there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, you can say all you want about those, like, cheap little things. But, look, if, if the other team's getting away with murder, you know, like – you got to do what you got to do. And, and uh, you know, I appreciate it. It's not, it's not like he's not doing anything that's going to, like, hurt somebody. You know, I mean, stepping on his foot, maybe you can make that argument. But even that video, I've seen that. It doesn't, you know, it's really nothing. I mean, um, so I wouldn't worry about that. You've seen Draymond do a lot worse than that to players on our team over the series. So a little uh, footstep. It's not like he's stepping under his foot and maybe going to roll his ankle or something, you know. It's... It, and it wasn't even like a, you know, a high speed kind of play. So, you know, I'm all for Rondo going at Draymond. It's fun. It's entertaining. And, uh, you know, you got to you got to take advantage of his hot headedness. I mean, people do that to us when we when Boogie's playing, you know, everybody knows that you can get get in Boogie's head and get him frustrated and get get him to uh, make a couple of mistakes here and there. And I think that's exactly what Rondo's doing with Draymond. He's similar in that way. Kevin Berrios, follow him at Kevin B for Bounce. Of course, we both contribute to thebirdrights.com. So so what does this mean? Essentially, it, it doesn't mean anything yet. It means that the Pelicans are not going to get swept. It means that the Pelicans have the talent to go toe-to-toe with this team that we assumed. Uh, and they did what they were supposed to do. You know, they won game three. They won it at home. And now it's up to them to hold serve in game four. Uh, Steph Curry, Andy Liu of Warriors World predicted that he might struggle in game two. He said all three of these Warriors guys, uh, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Clay Thompson are not going to go out balls to the wall bonkers and and the fear uh in in what happened tonight is what do we do if all three of them happen to go off on sunday and like kevin said that early start time uh could create all sorts of havoc but for right now the pelicans are winners they are winners in dominating fashion against a team nobody gave them a prayer of beating throughout the national media even pelicans writers ourselves uh many guys didn't have the pelicans going past five games of course we did at thebirdrights.com, or many of us, not all of us. But it's it's still up to the Pels. If they want to avoid a gentleman's sweep, 
Sunday, 2.30. They're going to need every bit the crowd reaction they got tonight. Everybody was insane. After every three-point shot, every transition dunk, every rejection, everyone was standing out of their seats, waving their towels, and that needs to continue into game four. The Pelicans are going to need because it's, it's not going to be this easy. It's not going to be this easy again. The Pelicans are not going to dominate the way they did today. This was their best punch, uh, and it's it's hard to believe that they're going to they're gonna throw another haymaker at them. It's going to be closer, and it's going to come down to the sixth man in many respects, and I'm sure they fed off that energy tonight. But you guys, that's it for now. Stay tuned. Uh, tomorrow, we'll, we'll probably have some version. I don't know if we're going to talk to Ali and Kevin again, but we will have Aliko Carter from Locked on Warriors, so maybe I'll invite one of you guys to do that. We will have you guys covered for the preview for Game 4 with a Warriors expert. Uh, and as always, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you guys. And if you have the time and you appreciate us too, go on over to iTunes, slide into our ratings and review Give us a nice five-star. If you're on your mobile device, open up your Apple Podcast app, search the bird calls, scroll to the bottom, five stars. I'm Preston Ellis. Kevin, any final thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I, I haven't been on this in a little while just because my schedule's been crazy, but uh, I'll just plug a couple of articles I've written recently. Um, I had uh, um, an article called uh, Today is the Day the uh, Pelicans Finally Became New Orleans Basketball Team. And then I had one about... Um, Drew Holiday being the Tim Duncan of Allen Iversons, which is pinned to my profile now if you're interested in that. That was a fun article. And then I've recapped the horror that was game one. But um, other than that, you know, I look forward to seeing y'all Sunday. And if you're out and about Saturday, come give me your money at the bar because I need some money. Kevin, before I let you go, one more thing. What will you do if you see Drew Holiday walk through the tunnel on Sunday with anything other than that hair out? Hey man, he he's he's bald with multiple hairstyles. I, I I'm not gonna hate on any hair he comes out with. Um, so I, I'm all for Drew expressing himself. Uh, I mean, I think the fro, I guess, is statistically his best haircut. But um, you know, I'm all I'm all for him doing his thing and being comfortable. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on him for if he changes it up. You're lifting up, Drew, but you're crushing my irrational fanaticism. Uh, as as a fan, it is my right to say completely irrational and ridiculous yeah, and at no, times I, idiotic I, things. I agree. I'm, I'm uh, all but, about that. I, you know, I got my rituals. I gotta I gotta tip the guy the the guy begging for change out out before the New Orleans Center tunnel on the way in. I gotta go up the stairs. I gotta hug the dude that delivers uh, uh, paper supplies to my work, who's uh, scalping tickets outside. You know, I got all my little routines I got to go through. So I understand. All right. And props to you guys. Mason Ginsburg just posted with tonight's win. The Pelicans guaranteed themselves a winning postseason record for just the second time in the team's New Orleans basketball history. So kudos to you guys. You guys were here watching the games, listening to the podcast, reading the articles. This is this is every every bit as much something that we can celebrate the city can celebrate the players can celebrate this is a great moment for new orleans basketball glad to have you guys with us you are listening to the bird calls and we'll talk to you guys soon let's go pals Hope you've enjoyed listening to the bird calls on OTG and nothing but net here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? 
It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash XM. Say Metro by T-Mobile. Got the best deal in wireless. And it's all for you. All for me. Just switch quickly. Because Metro has two lines for 80. And two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free. Plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be. Only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would and credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.